What's up, everyone? I am your host for the day, Derek Williams. Glad to be joining you, and thanks for joining me. I'm excited to get into this episode today. I recently read a book that has really changed my perspective on life and a big part financially on things. And it took me a while to kind of process things and really kind of think about what it meant and to really try and grasp the picture. Let me get into it. The book is called Die With Zero. And it's by the the author is Bill Perkins. You can read about Bill's background, but he started off with kind of regular wages and he talks about his job. He was kind of like a just an errand boy working his way up in the financial world, eventually became an energy trader, very successful, managed like a billion dollar hedge fund. So he's made a lot of money. So today I'm going to give you my summary of the book and I'm going to try and convince you that this is the best way that you should live your life financially. In my opinion, this is a book that every person on earth should read. If you live in a world where money is used and you work to earn money, you need to read this book. I don't think I've ever given that strong of a recommendation to read a book. I'm really hopeful that uh, a lot of you listening will, will buy the book and read it on your own. If you don't, hopefully what I share with you today will give you enough food for thought to think about and apply some of these ideas and principles. So let me get into it. Uh, I'm going to start off with a quote from, from Bill in the book. He says this, he says, if you spend hours and hours of your life acquiring money and then die without spending all of that money, then you've needlessly wasted too many precious hours of your life. There is no way to get those hours back. If you die with a million dollars left, that's a million dollars of experiences that you didn't have. If you die with $50,000 left, well, that's $50,000 of experiences you didn't have. No way is that optimal. The question we must all answer is how to make the most of our finite time on earth. Wow, so cool. (laughs) It's really interesting because for the past several years, you know, I've enjoyed running projections of my finances, looking at my investments, income, etc. And when I look at these long-term projections, I sit there looking at charts of my net worth and I love looking at it and seeing that it will grow and grow and grow. And the point when my net worth is the highest is the day that I die in these projections. Bill basically says that this is backwards and completely wrong. So this, this idea just blew my mind. And the more that I've read and understood it, the more that I just love the principles behind it. I also was skeptical. There's still some things that I'm trying to wrap my head around. And uh, so if you're like me, you may be skeptical also, but hopefully intrigued by the idea. But like he says in the quote, if you die with money, that is money that you could have used for something that you didn't get the chance to. Let me start off by saying that he does acknowledge that this is a near impossible goal to actually die with nothing and that pretty much no one is is really going to accomplish it. But just because it's near impossible doesn't mean that we shouldn't try. 
or that it's not worth applying the principles to try and get as close to dying with zero as possible. There are a ton of variables that are unpredictable, but there are things that we can do to get closer and closer to optimizing our money, our lives, and our experiences that we have in life. And that's really what his book is is all about. Really, when it comes down to it, the idea is when you look back at the end of your life, did you really try and optimize the way that you lived your life? And we talk about that a lot in TLP. I mean, we're just always talking about really being intentional with your life, with everything that you do, that you're front-loading the process, you're being the most effective with your time to get the most out of it as possible. And that's what we're talking about here. We're not, we shouldn't be growing our net worth and building up our financial assets just because. If we're really trying to optimize those, then we should be making that work for us or to be able to provide us with the most high value life as possible. So that's the idea of the book. So I'm going to go through and kind of talk about a few steps and principles that he talks about. The first one is maximizing positive life experiences. Don't wait until you retire to start doing stuff that you like. Start actively having the life experiences that you want to have now. Have lots of meaningful and memorable experiences. You know, so he talks about spend money early when you don't have as much money. And this will be counterintuitive and definitely was for me. And honestly, this is tough advice to follow. But by spending less money and saving it early, you could argue that you're developing a habit of saving, which is good. But the hard part is that the younger you are, the more valuable money is to you. And the more optimal it may be to have those experiences. So let me explain. When you're in your 20s, you should hopefully be in the best health of your life. You really shouldn't be held back by anything health-wise as far as what your options are for experiences in life. Money would definitely be a factor for almost all of us because most of us don't have a ton of money in our 20s. Let's compare that to the other end of the spectrum. How about in our 80s? If you're lucky and you're still alive and active at that point, maybe you're able to be somewhat active, but the vast majority of the people in their 80s don't enjoy traveling. They like staying put and are are much more homebodies. The living expenses are extremely low for the most part in your 80s. And that makes a lot of sense. The idea is basically that that means that money in your 20s is much more valuable than money in your 80s because you can't do as much with it. So when you think of those two ends of the spectrum, in between there should be almost kind of a a gradient. So in your 20s and 30s, you can do the most as far as adventurous activities because of your health. In your 40s and 50s, you can probably still do a lot of those things, but maybe to less of an extent, or you have to give up a few of the more rigorous activities. In your 60s and 70s, that's when things start to to slow down a lot more. So what Bill is arguing here is that even though you have less money at this point in your life when you're much younger, it makes a lot more sense 
to spend more of your money than to really be trying to aggressively save. This is something that I got backwards. When my wife and I were first married, she was finishing up her degree and uh, taught school, pretty low salary. You know, I was working and in school, very low income. We still managed to save probably half of our income at that point. We didn't do hardly anything. We lived very cheaply. And probably a lot of you can relate to that. In, like I said before, as far as the argument, I would argue that because of that and because of that mindset, it instilled us in us the principles and the habits of being aggressive investors and savers. And so that has contributed a lot to our net worth at this point. But there is arguably a lot of experiences that we probably could have had if we were uh, willing to spend more of our income at, at that time. To a lot of you listening, I think a lot of our podcast listener base is, is younger. A lot of you are associates looking to get into ownership. A lot of you are newer in ownership, a few guys that are 10, 15 years in. But by and large, almost everyone listening to this is probably in your 30s or younger. And so I would argue that you really at this point in your life should be optimizing the experiences that you have in your life. He talks about that. So as far as having the the gradient, as far as how much you can enjoy experiences in your life, you should see that correlate with expenses, how much you spend. So arguably, you should be spending the most in your 30s and 40s as far as vacations and things that you go and do traveling because you can live those to a much higher extent than you will be able to in your 50s, 60s, 70s. The other argument here is that he talks about the same way that compound interest works with our financial investments. He talks about the idea of compound interest in our memories and experiences. Let me, let me backtrack real quick. He does talk about at the beginning of the book that people that invest more in experiences rather than things tend to be much happier in life. So I think probably almost, I think most of us would agree with that. If you don't, then fine. Live life the way that you want to, and that's totally fine. But I definitely agree a lot with that. I will very gladly spend a good amount of money on having an experience where I'm not really so much a fancy car guy or some of those things. You could, a lot of people could make the argument that some of those toys or things give them experiences, and I can't argue with that to each his own. But back to what I was talking about with compound interest, Bill talks about how it works the same with our memories. He talks about, he's got a, he has a, a grandfather that in his 80s or whatever, really wasn't able to do much at that point. And he spent time basically putting together a video of a lot of his grandfather's memories and things that he had done during his life, where he'd gone, some of his achievements, put together this video and gave it to his grandfather. And he said that that was probably the greatest gift that he's ever given anyone because his grandfather watched it so much. At the end of our life, We've got mostly time to just really reflect on, on our life. Like I talked about, you're not going to be active and 
creating as many memories and experiences in your 80s than you do in your 20s, 30s, and et cetera. That's why so much of the time when we talk to older people, they just talk about when they had kids and what they did and what life was like and stuff like that, because they really don't have a lot of active experiences at this point in their life when they're older. And it's easy for us to look at them and say, just kind of put them in a bucket. But we should realize most of us are going to be in that stage at some point. It it makes a lot of sense to invest in experiences earlier in your life, because the earlier that you are willing to invest, the longer you're going to have to enjoy and look back at those types of things. There's a cool part in the book where he says he wanted to have a really huge 50th birthday party, spend a lot of money, bring people out to an island, put them in a hotel, have a lot of food and drinks, entertainment for this week-long type of party and, and experience. And he thought about this in his early 40s. He realized that his parents were getting to the point where they probably were going to be too old when he was 50 to be able to enjoy something like that. And even some of his friends, you know, you just never know who's going to be around and what situation are are they going to be in. And so he decided to do it on his 45th birthday. And even for him, very high income, high net worth individual, he said that spending, you know, as he was looking at creating this type of experience, it almost gave him like a gut check. Oh gosh, do I really want to spend this much money? But he talks about how it was the most amazing week. He says, can you imagine walking out of your hotel room on the beach? And when you walk out, you're just surrounded by friends and family. And you know, you just have this long experience where you're able to bond together and and, and share experiences. He says it was a hundred percent worth it. he says, uh, when he actually turned 50, I think his father had passed away at that point and his mother was not in the greatest of health and would have had a difficult time. And some other friends had complications that probably wouldn't have been able to make it. So he also talks about how his friends and the people that were there years later will still come up to him and talk to him about how that was such an amazing experience. So because he invested in that earlier, he had a better experience in the moment, but also he has longer to enjoy the memory with his friends. So it's paying back dividends. So the earlier you're willing to invest in those things, the more time you're going to have to kind of reap the benefits and enjoy the memory of those things. So that's the the first really big point. Invest in experiences early. The next thing is to, he talks about using all the available planning tools. None of us know exactly when we're going to die. And that's a difficult part of this picture and really trying to understand it. But, you know, there's a lot of actuaries where you can basically Google, put in your habits and your lifestyle, and it will give you an estimate for how long you'll live. My wife and I both did this. And so it was kind of cool. We've had my parents do it. And it's led to a lot of cool discussions that have made us kind of think more about how to optimize our lives. Another big part of planning tools and stuff like that is different types of insurance types of options that you could have that would make some of those end of life or closer to the end of life expenses more predictable. Some of those are, you know, you can get an insurance policy where it's basically going to cover like long-term care if you have to be put in a facility or something like that. So instead of saving up this huge chunk of money 
and having it set aside just in case, the argument is that if you're willing to pay for insurance and have a low cost along the way, you don't need to have that huge chunk of money set aside. You can spend that money and create experiences earlier to take some of the guesswork out of that picture. Some of the other things he talks about are annuities. He doesn't talk about things like necessarily a reverse mortgage, but that could arguably be part of your plan as well. It's really interesting because I used to look at all of those types of things and just put them in a bucket to say, you know, that doesn't make financial sense. I want to be set up so well that I don't need to depend on any of those types of things. Those types of things are people that are are desperate for money. But the more that I read and really understand this philosophy of maximizing our life and getting our money to get the biggest benefit and return for us, some of those things start to make a lot of sense. Another big argument or criticism that people will give when they hear about this thing is this idea is what about the kids? I need to leave leave my kids a a big inheritance or well, I want to leave a big amount of money to a charity. Well, okay, there's nothing wrong with that. Give to your children while you are alive. Give to your charity while you are alive. There's no point in waiting until you're dead and gone. And this is a really cool idea that I just think is so fascinating. And it's it's funny to me that, th- th- I mean, the whole reason why we do this is because we like the idea of being able to live and not have to worry about money towards the end of our life. And our kids just get whatever's left over or charities or whatever. That makes sense in that context. But at the same time, there's some important things to consider. And a big part of it is that when most of us die, our kids are going to be at an older age where the money is not near as valuable as it could have been when our kids are younger. And he goes through and talks about and basically says that the most valuable time frame that people can receive money or have it go towards something is from the ages of 26 to 35. And he kind of puts it right in that time range, which uh, I reminded my parents that I am the age of 34. So uh, we're, we're, we're getting to that point. No pressure, dad, if you're listening. <laughs> but the big idea here is that Money is so much more meaningful. Like I was talking about earlier, money means a lot more earlier in our life than it does later because our health is generally better than when we're older. So we can do more with the money and we usually have less money at that point in our lives than we do later. So having more really gives a lot of flexibility and it can allow you to have a lot of experiences or flexibility in life that can really change the trajectory of your life. And the argument as far as charities is that really the best time to give your money is now. The charities that you really want to give to can use your money now and make that go much farther than waiting until you die. Think about those things and read the book because, you know, he talks about it and goes more into detail. He gives stories and scenarios of of people where it really kind of drives the point home and and makes you think a, a lot about it. The next point that I want to talk about is he says, know when to stop. And he says, there is an optimal point at which you should stop working for maximum lifetime fulfillment. Figure out what that is before you blow right past it. Nobody on their deathbeds wishes they had spent more time at the office. He talks about a friend that ran a company and he spent 
years while his his kids were young, building up this big company. As he understood this idea more of maximizing his life, he thought, why am I still working? So he sold the company at age 38 and he basically kind of regrets that he waited that long to do it. He could have done it a lot earlier because by the time he he sold it, he really had more money than he could really optimize and, and really spend throughout his life, which probably a, a lot of us are not going to have that problem if we're intentional about it. But the problem is that most of us, we just live on autopilot and we just keep working without really thinking about whether or not it's what we really want to do. If you ask yourself, if money didn't matter, if you had all the money to live the life that you want, would you choose to go into your office multiple days every week and and work on teeth? Maybe so, maybe not, but it's a question that you need to ask yourself. And a lot of us are younger and working to get to that point, but the principles of this book apply regardless of how much money you have, whether you have millions, billions, or thousands, or hundreds, whatever that number is, there is still thought that has to go into how do you optimize your money in order to optimize your life. So think about it, know when to stop, know when to cut back. Such a big part of our philosophy at TLP comes down to cutting back. You know, it's not just about maximizing profits and maximizing money. It's about life. It's the lifestyle practice. Get your practice to work for you. Set things up in in the beginning to allow you to live the lifestyle that you want to live. The last thing kind of goes along with that and, and just being intentional with your life. Almost all of us, myself included, I thought that I was being very intentional. And then after reading this book, I realized I'm not completely, you know, I haven't thought about how to optimize. I have in a lot of ways been on autopilot and not really contemplating and asking these really hard questions and, and thinking about how, how I want to spend and, you know, what kinds of experiences I want to have, how I want to give to my kids or charities or all of those different things. I'm going to end with, with a quote from him. He says, you should focus on maximizing your life enjoyment rather than on maximizing your wealth. Those are two very different goals. Money is just a means to an end. Having money helps you to achieve the most important goal of enjoying your life. But trying to maximize money actually gets in the way of achieving the more important goal. So I hope this has given you food for thought. I would challenge anyone Anyone, if you have any criticisms or thoughts of saying, no, this doesn't work, or no, this is not the smartest way to live your life financially, first, read the book, listen to all of his points, and then I would love to hear any arguments that you can give to discredit any of those types of things. And honestly, I'm open to them. And I would love to hear, you know, if there's any thoughts out there of of ways where you could argue that this is not the smartest thing to do. So in the future, I'll talk about some of the changes that I'm going to go through and what I'm doing in my life after having read this book. I've had my wife read the book. I've had both of my parents read the book. My mother-in-law has bought the book. I have a brother and sister that are reading it, a brother-in-law, and I've actually sent it to my accountant and asked him, I said, hey, 
can you read this book, please? I'll pay you to read it. I want you to understand these principles and I want you to help me come up with a plan for how to really maximize my life based on these terms. So it's, it's just really cool. Anyway, after talking with my wife a lot, giving some of our ideas, we're kicking this revolution in our mindset off by going skydiving. It's not something that I've necessarily been real scared of, but I just haven't, I'm not a big thrill seeker and I'm not a big, I don't know. It's just kind of out of my character and it's way out of my wife's character to do something like that. But I don't know why it just felt like the right thing to do. So in the next couple months, we're figuring out a weekend that we can go and do it, but it's definitely not the most like biggest type of experience, but it just feels like something cool to do to kind of kick it off and to symbolize this change in mindset that we are uh, trying to embody. So anyway, would love to hear your thoughts. As always, feel free to reach out to Justin, Steve, or I at Justin, Steve, or Derek at thelifestylepractice.com or post on our Facebook page. We love hearing from you guys. And we're always open to discussing helping you guys. I mean, that's really what we do is working on maximizing your life. A lot of it is based around the practice because the practice leads to income that leads to the flexibility that where you can have the lifestyle and the, the experiences that you want to have. So this is right up our alley. This book goes along with a lot of those principles. If you're ready to really grab life by the horns and really start, you know, take control of your practice and step it up to the next level, feel free to reach out to us and we'll talk about the possibility and if we would be a good fit. So take care, everyone. Have a great week and we will talk to you next time. Sicker than your average, sicker than your average.